In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I should have added among the prayers for the sick our music director, the inimitable James Senson, who is down hard with the flu, which is why we have no organ and why you have no programs. So I'll read the readings for you. First, well, the reading, the lesson um, is from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 17, until chapter 4, verse 3. Be ye followers of me, brethren, and observe them who walk so as you have our model. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. But our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will reform the body of our lowness, made like to the body of his glory, according to the operation whereby also he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my dearly beloved brethren, and most desired, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beg of Avodia and I beseech Syntyche to be of one mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, my sincere companion, Help those women who have labored with me in the gospel, with Clement, and the rest of my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. And then from the gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 9, verses 18 to 26. As he was speaking these things unto them, behold, a certain ruler came up and adored him, saying, Lord, my daughter is even now dead, but come lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus, rising up, followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who was troubled with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I shall touch only his garment, I shall be healed. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Be of good heart, daughter. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus was come into the house of the ruler and saw the minstrels and the multitude making a rout, he said, Give place, for the girl is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. And when the multitude was put forth, he went in, and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all that country. And so concludes the Holy Gospel. As we approach the, the renewal of the liturgical year in the first Sunday of Advent in two weeks, where the readings will take us towards uh, the end times and judgment, um, 
and where we will be reminded that we forgot to buy Advent candles at the Christmas Bazaar the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Um, I usually don't buy them, so... Um, and, and you always need to buy, like, eight purple candles, right? And two rose candles. But, like, who thought that buying three purple candles and one is anything but a photograph? That's totally unusable, but I digress. So, in two weeks, when we are reminded of the end of things and judgment and Christ having come into the world to renew all things... It is tempting for us to think of um, death and judgment as a kind of defeat that's saved by um, heaven, whereas the defeat becomes utter and irredeemable if the soul goes to hell. I'd like you to consider what we heard in the gospel as well as as other times when our Lord comes to raise the dead when he could have instead healed the sick. And in the case of his friend Lazarus, we know that he waited deliberately. That Lazarus would not only be dead, but that he would be dead several days. And even understanding the, the loss of original sin and the, 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 the curse and punishment because of it, we recognize how God continues to govern, how the providence of God continues to manage all things. And how the rising of the dead is something that God looks forward to do. Which means, which means their dying is not as much of a defeat as we think of it. Or our dying won't be as much of a defeat as we might be tempted to think. <clears throat> Many walk of whom I've told you often that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior of the world. Some of you know that it was uh, two months ago or so that I was listening finally to Father Elijah by Michael O'Brien. It was the last book that my dad read before he died in 96 and it's just a good time of year and it's a good uh, point in history to be reminded of the end of things and uh, I still prefer Lord of the World by Robert Hugh Benson but it was still worthwhile I recommend it it's on formed.org so you can listen to it for free Um, you can read it too there are many many books that you can read for free at formed.org through our parish subscription but um 
Father Elijah is one of the volumes that you can listen to as an audio book. It's good to be reminded of the end of things as the time of great culminating confrontation where everything is clarified. There's confusion, there's deception, there's temptation, um, but it's the great final revelation of all things. And if, 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 if as courageous Christians we think of the end of the world like that, we can, we can see our own, our own life following a similar trajectory. Our life should, be the, should culminate in the, the, the full revelation of all things, what really matters, what doesn't, what's true and what lasts forever, what's been cast aside, what matters, what doesn't matter. Death is the final exclamation mark on all of that. When we're assisting someone, helping someone who is afraid of death, we, we understand it's, it's, it should never have been. It's, it's, it's inflicted on us, um, but it's inflicted on us as a remedy. But at least with regard to our own, our own physical immortality and spiritual immortality, there can be something of an infectious peace um, and even joy. The book that I'm listening to now is... St. Catherine of Siena by Sigurd Unset, which surprised me. Probably a lot of you already know that Sigurd Unset wrote a biography of St. Catherine of Siena. I only knew of Christian Labrin's daughter. Um, similarly, a lot of people know Mark Twain. Some people don't know that he wrote a biography of Joan of Arc. Uh, it was his favorite, favorite work. Um, I digress. The conversation between our Lord and St. Catherine is what comes to mind now when St. Paul speaks to the Philippians about how our conversation is in heaven. The Lord says directly to St. Catherine, I think the preface was, if you want to be at peace always, remember who you are and who I am. Never forget who you are and who I am. You are what is not. I am what is. Obviously, our Lord isn't telling her that she's nothing and worthless and terrible, but rather, no, her being didn't have to be. Where our being is contingent, philosophers tell us. I'm a little more confident on philosophy than ancient languages. Our being didn't have to ever have to occur. There was a time when we were not. God is. God always is. It's impossible for God not to be. So we tell us in Catherine... Never forget who you are and who I am. And if you, never, if you never forget this, you will always be at peace. 
Your conscience will never be troubled. The devil will never, never, never be able to tempt you. To remember what, what is not and what is. And in our experiencing the reality of contingency that we exist and our soul will exist for all eternity, but our body is prone to decay and disease and will die and will rise. It's an opportunity for us to reflect on the things that only matter for a time and the things that the things that all that will always matter. So a, a recent visit to the orthopedic surgeon, with whom I'm becoming pretty good friends, um, was a good opportunity because a new ache or pain means for me that those questions are considerations. Be, dealing with arthritis now for long over a decade, is this is this a grinding away of something that will never come back, or is this? Is this pain just simply something that's not well that can, that can be healed? Something that doesn't have to go away? As, as men of the 21st century, we too easily have this attitude of just get rid of the thing that um, won't last forever, just replace it or... or um, I want to be free of it. Some modern men have an even uh, more destructive attitude about the things that hurt and they don't like, which is um, that they blame God for it. And so it's very interesting to encounter people who know that God exists, who acknowledge that God exists, and don't choose not to follow him, choose not to obey him, choose not to worship him. Why? Probably um, because of pain, because of suffering. Um, because something bad is happening and God gets blamed for it. Which, which forgets how when, when there is something not well, um, we so easily think that it's um, doomed to failure and death. In the same way that whether it be uh, you know, is it arthritis, which is the wearing away of things that will never come back, or is it bursitis, which is just a temporary inflammation that can be healed? Is it something that's going away, or is it something that's going to last? We can we can also think of how there's there are things that pertain to the body, and the body one day won't won't exist, even though it will rise, but the soul will last forever. We, we too easily think that those things that last forever are perfect and shouldn't ever be in pain. But our soul can be ill, can be weak, can be afflicted. 
even consider how the strongest muscles and the, you know, the most powerful parts of you, when they're ill, they hurt the worst. I say this to, to, to call to mind that there's a... There's so many ways that people reject God unnecessarily. They experience pain and suffering and they blame God. They experience pain and suffering that's not physical and they assume then that, well, the soul must be temporary as well. If it's immortal, why is it like this? But all of creation is afflicted. And, God, and Christ came to renew all. And so he comes to the girl who's 12 years old, who's not only who's, who's, whom he finds dead, but whose father knew that she was dead. And came to the Lord, asking him to lay his hand on her so that she would live. What amazing faith. This father didn't consider his his daughter's death a defeat, but it prompted him to seek out the Lord in faith. So whether the, the great conflict is uh, global or ecclesiastical or, uh, or personal, um, our, our Lord walks with us. Whatever we've considered a defeat isn't. It's the opportunity for the glory of God to be revealed. What hurts might be the sign that we're using it well or it might be the sign that it's, it's being neglected. And whether it be something that will go away or something that will last forever, join to the cross, everything gives glory to God. And so we look forward as we worship Christ. We don't simply look backwards at an historical event, but we look forward with the crucified and risen Lord to the full culminating glory and revelation of all all the majesty of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.